there. Welcome to How Did They Get There. I'm your host, Sean Penn. So today, talking with Todd Loizzo, had a great conversation, great actor and filmmaker, been in a lot of, you know, incredible projects as an actor. I mean, I think the first one that comes to mind is Scent of a Woman. You know, he worked with Marty Bress directing and Phil Hoffman, and he played one of the one of those waspy skiing trip boarding school guys, right? That's kind of giving Chris O'Donnell's character a hard hard time. And he actually talked about that, about auditioning for that role, which is pretty mind-blowing because he did it with Pacino. I mean, from then on, you know, I think he ended up moving out with Phil and he was in Apollo 13, The Rock, Jerry Maguire. He had that, you know, pivotal. I, I honestly think that's one of the most important scenes in that film. It kind of created a tonal shift in Tom Cruise's character when he's faced with this Chad <laughs> nanny. Uh, who's basically one of the barriers between him and Renee Zellweger kind of getting together. I mean, their characters. But during that time, he also made the 15-minute Hamlet, which is the Tom Stoppard adaptation. And he did it against type in terms of how he cast the roles. I think he made it in the South. Austin Pendleton was in it. You know, Phil was in that. Incredible, like <laughs> super scene-stealing. I think it was Laertes. And he talked about that story, about how that that project kind of came about and how he got in touch with Tom Stoppard, which is, you know, pretty, just pretty wild. And then, you know, there was High Fidelity. I mean, that was a huge role. He played, I think he was like the second lead after John Cusack and Jack Black. That was really about the Chicago music scene. Green Day was mentioned. They're not from Chicago. Great music in that movie. I mean, that's like redundant. But he talked about like Freer's, Stephen Freer's and how he directs, how he directed him and some of the lessons that he kind of took, you know, to heart to some degree in terms of him as a director. Because after the 15 minute Hamlet, I mean, Todd directed this film, Love Liza, which is so incredible with Kathy Bates and Phil Hoffman. I think his brother ended up writing that. Phil's brother, Stephen Tobolowsky, man. And Jack Keller, great performances. I mean, Phil plays a a grieving widowed guy that, you know, really needs a place to put it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. What a subtle performance. So incredible. I think that was just one of his first lead roles. So after, um, after High Fidelity, he was definitely doing a lot of like, he had a lot of guest spots in television from Frasier to Joan of Arcadia. And then... I mean, he was in like the Irreverent Indie and Thank You for Smoking with Jason Reitman, the weird cult classic comedy thriller. I don't even know what genre you would put that in. Snakes on a Plane, School for Scoundrels, Meet Bill, Californication, Married, Togetherness, Angie Tri- Tribeca. I mean, so many different um, genres. I guess comedy, mostly comedy, but I mean, there's like a lot of different themes in those shows. I actually transcribed an episode of Togetherness. I don't know why. I'd forgotten about it. I just I just revisited that like a few months ago. It's pretty wild. Like, why did I do that? <laughs> so he's doing that like as an actor. And um, then he directed uh, this film. Well, he made the Mark Pease experience. He wrote and directed that. That was with Ben Stiller and Jason Schwartzman and Anna Kendrick. I mean, like a very musically themed high school set um, 
movie. I thought it was really funny. And then Hello, I Must Be Going. I mean, that was 2012. What a great picture. I remember seeing that and just like, it just felt palpable how depressed Melanie Alinsky's character was. I mean, she killed that, right? Crushed that. Like, can't get out of bed. Living with parents. Tough. Weird, like... I, I don't know if you would call that relationship that she ends up forming with Chris Abbott's character weird, but just at that time in her life, I think that's the significance of it. It's like, all right, she's going to come out of this depression and then she's going to do this. And it's really unexpected. And I think you would argue that that and when-when, I mean, that really formed a departure for her her characters and some of her roles too that is probably her most like probably her most pivotal performance in terms of like all the things that she's doing now are like incredible like always are but once she did that once she was in that film like that was a tonal shift in i think her career and the types of roles and the types of performances that she that she seemed to, you know, gravitate towards. And then, uh, I mean, there was Macbeth. That's one that he wrote. I don't think he directed that, but he wrote it. Apparently that project, I mean, we talked about that. It took years and years to develop. It starred Michael Fassbender as Macbeth and Marion Cotillard as Lady Macbeth. I feel like that's one of the first instances where you saw that type of relationship between a woman and a man where the woman is really the leader and is dictating the terms of their relationship and themes about morality and success and power and all that. Politeness was not one of the themes. What else did we talk about? talked about the SNL experience. He was an intern there because he went to NYU and I think he got it through that or something, hanging out with Farley on occasion. And we talked a little bit about the strike, which I guess just ended like a couple of days ago. But when we talked, it was still going on. I'd say it was an enjoyable conversation. I think we had a good talk. So I guess the moral is strikes, they come and go, but conversations, they last forever. <laughs> I'm a douchebag. Enjoy this. What's the play? It's a play called Dance Nation. I don't Mm. really, I don't, I know it now, but I guess it was at Playwrights Horizons a few years ago. And they're doing it at his, uh, at his school right now. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, you have to kind cool. of uh, show some support. And uh, yeah, do you get kind? Do you do you tend to be? Because this is what you do. So do you feel like? Do you get critical? Like do you get feedback about <laughs> performance and stuff like that, or is that do you kind of like have a no. lazy fair approach? No. Yeah, I mean, if he asks, you know. Yeah. And, and he has, he does ask for help sometimes and asks for, you know, uh, yeah, stuff like that. But I would never like, oh my God, horrible. 
you know, I really think that yeah. last scene you could have been probably <laughs> terrible. Is that? Oh my God. How was the training? Because you went to NYU, right? Yeah. So how's how's the training? Like, was it like that, or was it different? Um. Well, I I went to I went to a performing arts school from like fourth grade to twelfth grade in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm. Um. So I kind of just grew up with with that, just arts and the arts. And uh, um, when I went to NYU, I went. <clears throat> I got in as an actor. But I knew that I wanted to transfer to the film school. So after mm. one, um, after one semester, I transferred to the film school. <laughs> oh wow! I knew I didn't have really my at the time. My SAT scores were just horrible. Yeah, and I knew I wouldn't get in to the film school if I applied directly. And I knew so I had a better chance getting in as an actor. So yeah, SATs. That's really important for. Uh... SAT scores are really important for becoming a good filmmaker, right? Yeah, <laughs> extremely. Man, our, both of our kids uh, didn't take the SATs. It's, it's yeah. a whole new world. It's great. It's amazing. I don't, I don't really see the point of them. Do you? No. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a little, it became a little bit of a uh, uh, money-making scheme. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It's pretty yeah. outrageous. People want to make money. <laughs> yeah 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 so you but, grew up you grew up in ohio like the whole uh the whole time yeah yeah so and it was 18 yeah. yeah how was that i mean i know that's chrissy hind is ohio right i mean that's yeah. all i know about it how was it <laughs> it was great it's like i grew up in cincinnati which is she's from akron i think mm -hmm. uh which is actually where devo is from also oh um do you know Devo, the band? I know Devo. Of course okay. I know Devo. Yeah, right. Mark uh, right. Mother's Bar, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Cincinnati's, it's a great place to grow up in, but it's, you know, it's, uh, I go back very, my parents both live there still. You know, my dad, he's about to turn 88, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but he's a, he was a, uh, dancer, a ballet dancer and wow. other type of dancer. And then he became a choreographer. So he worked at the Cincinnati opera company as the choreographer for any ballets they had going on there. And then for different companies around the United States. And, and then he became the artistic director at the performing arts school, actually, where I went to. Oh, wow. So I was just like in, you know, it, you know, Cincinnati's pretty conservative although it's become less so recently mm -hmm. but um you know it was odd growing up in this kind of conservative city uh but because i just knew you know like the arts world oh, yeah. uh, i was really involved with that there so it had a different vibe to me feeling so your, da your dad yeah. was the like the performance director at the performing arts arts high school Wait, so did you have yeah did you have like um did you take classes from him and stuff well, he would direct like all the musicals mm. and I would be, I would be in the musicals occasionally. Okay. okay. Did so I, I would, I would get notes from him and maybe that's oh, why wow. I, why I knew like, no, that's not a good way to go with your kids. <laughs> what were some of the notes? Do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> but I just, I just know it was a lot, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of uh, performing and, you know, like, the schools was great. The school was really an amazing place. It's like one of the 
I think it was the first performing public performing arts school in the United States that went fourth through 12th grade. It, it started in 1973. Oh, wow. And um, it, it was part of it was dreamed up to because they were having still issues in Cincinnati with desegregation and busing mm -hmm. and so they started you know it was like I forget what they call it at the time it was like alter an alternative school but really it's like a magnet mm -hmm. for back then it was that and one of the things that they one of the mandates that the school had which was to be 50 percent uh white and 50 percent black like oh, that wow. was like a mandate and it was just incredible. And the school actually, they, the home of the school was like in, well, it's a very like gentrified area now, but mm -hmm. back when I was going there, it was like, it was like the worst neighborhood in the city and like maybe the country in a lot of top 10. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was ter ter terrible. It was in this, uh, it was called the over the Rhine district uh, because it was mainly Germans who moved there in the 19th century and oh, wow. it's it's beautiful like the buildings are amazing and so the erie canal used to run i think it was part of the erie canal ran through a section of downtown cincinnati and so the section where the germans live was north of that and so they were calling the canal the rhine the rhine river so over the rhine was where they all where that area of town was so but the school you know being integrated in that way, it was just like a, yeah, it's kind of informed my whole life. Uh, uh, and because it was every show that was put on at the school, they would uh, double cast, right? But it was always like, if we were, if you're doing um, West Side Story, mm -hmm. the one cast, it would be a, white tony and a black maria and the other cast oh, wow. it would be op opposite mm. and it was just i never thought twice about it but at the time you know this is like mid 70s late 70s and then 80s even you know still like what but it was such like a normal thing at, at the school it was you know i had the feeling of like like oh my god racism is over oh wow it's just like it's such a crazy concept in our my generation it's it's idiotic if, and because they were just interracial couples you know you never even thought about it yeah and so i was wrong about that <laughs> yeah about racism being over but it, it it's pretty amazing in that sense were you um, uh were you a good dancer uh i'm okay i'm not great my son is a dancer though um, he's amazing but i used to do musical theater a lot sing and kind of dance okay uh yeah so yeah. You used to, so musical theater and that's because like those are the shows that your school would perform or yeah. was that like did you have a specific interest in that uh specific no it's just genre? it was just you know they would do two musicals a year and then some plays also and so you know pretty a lot of people audition for the music it was like the big thing oh yeah you know, and they were really they were good <laughs> they were pretty pretty good so it was yeah it was cool so by the time i got to nyu in i've talked to friends of mine from high school about this and even my son who went to an arts high school mm -hmm. here in los angeles and now he goes to college for the arts oh when i got to college it was like you know, they have like tech requirements and all this stuff. And 
It's like, I did that in like fifth grade, you know, oh, it's wow. like, I, so it was, it was, I like, I kind of knew all this stuff about like how to focus lights, how to hang, you know, besides acting else, you learned like tech stuff too, like oh, yeah. how to build, build sets and, uh, make something, make something up or hang lights. It's, it was, it was cool. I guess so. that also teaches you how to like work with other people, right? right. Like the collaboration. So is yeah. that something that uh, like what drew you to acting? Because you were dancing. Uh, so then well, where, where does it change? Well, I was no, I was mainly. I wasn't really. I was mainly acting. Oh, okay. And like in musicals, you kind of have to dance a little bit, you right. know. But that wasn't my my focus. Was always kind of acting, and then I started to make films, like in my sophomore junior year of high school they didn't have a film department but i just became kind of interested in that and um it's funny you said that about collaboration because i'm actually i think i told you i was uh i'm teaching down at the usc film school mm -hmm. i started doing that like like in 2019 yeah as an adjunct and so i'm applying to these other jobs that i just saw became available at these other universities because i really i really enjoy it but in like, you know, writing papers for these applications, I, I get into like, I, you know, I have to get into like what, like my teaching philosophy about mm -hmm. film. And, and the one thing that I always uh, get into is, is that filmmaking is like so unique in that you, you can't do it alone. There's right. no, there's no real way to do it. It's, if you do, it, it's, insanely difficult it's a collaborative medium yeah and um i think that's why i enjoy it i really love that like there's to me there's you know there's really no such thing as an auteur because okay. you can't do you can't do it alone yeah. you know you can't i mean you can be i guess the dp and the director but you can't be the production designer also, or yeah. the music supervisor or the composer or the right. sound person that, you know, it's just, and all of those people are collaborating with you on a vision. And, and so I think that, you know, like you're saying, like when I was in school and high school and junior high and all that, yeah, you learn how to collaborate and then even when I got into college and after college, like I've, I've done like every job on a, on a set or yeah. on a production, like crazy, you know, not just like PA, but like, you know, I've been like a casting assistant, mm -hmm. like in, I've worked in editing room on a couple of features as like a assistant to the assistant, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, or like in wardrobe or, hair and makeup and uh you know i've been a first ac i've been a gaffer a grip and so yeah. you i think it's so important to do that because then you i'm not an expert on any of them by any chance but i know kind of like what it takes to do that specific job and you you have then like a respect and like mm -hmm. a uh appreciation for it and you know what that how hard that person is working and you're not you know if you're directing something you're not just like why isn't this happening faster oh, yeah. why aren't you you know setting up that light it's yeah. been you know five minutes it should have taken you a minute 
you you know like no that's going to take a while because that's mm-hmm. a difficult thing to get going and right. um so i think that's what i try to like talk to students about and the importance of learning all those things and the talent of being able to collaborate and delegate i guess too if you're like, oh, directing yeah. or producing sorry I'm yeah no you're good i feel like i'm kind of slouching but i'm uh, tired <laughs> all right that's interesting though because kind of like like you say um i guess the auteur theory is like the director knows all and the director can delegate and whatever director can have these expectations but i guess when you see the collaboration not so much as a necessary evil but more like something that i can actually enhance the quality of the project mm-hmm. yeah uh, i feel like that just that helps uh that helps in terms of like people's ability to even like work harder and like feel good about what they're doing right oh my god yeah i mean if you shut people down they're yeah gonna turn off and if you and it's not even like a like pretend like Mm -hmm. if you like entertain what they're saying no like i hire people who are well first of all kind nice good people yeah no no screamers I just can't deal with that shit. Yeah. Um, but that are going to bring their ideas. First of all, they, you know, love the project um, and are passionate about the project and are going to bring ideas that I never would have thought of ever. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, put those ideas into the film. If they, if they, if I feel they fit, I guess that's what you do as a director. It's like, uh, part of it picking and choosing you know what you know will enhance or just make the film its own its thing uh and that's like such a that's like one of the most difficult things about making a film is having a consistent tone uh that's really like so difficult and Mm -hmm. um yeah what did you what did you make in high school like what were the what were the films like the sh- were they shorts were they i mean like what did you make yeah i mean just a couple I, the only one that i kind of remember is i made like a like a mockumentary about this uh god what did he even do he was an actor i think yeah yeah oh, his name was paul winchell okay and I used a bunch of my brother's friends uh god i forget what he I think, I think he was an, it was funny. I mean, to me yeah. and to <laughs> all my friends, it was funny, it was so funny. But you know, he ends up uh, working like outside of like a McDonald's in like a mm-hmm. chick, chicken suit, handing out flyers. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but it was fun, you know, yeah. it's cool. What, what led to the, like, what led to the film interest? Um, or you were always interested? No, I, I was. I mean, I, I think one of the first films that I saw that really hit me uh, was Harold and Maude uh, uh, that I went to go see in the theater. You know, it was a revival of it because I did it come out 72 or something like yeah. 71. And yeah. I was born in 70, so I couldn't have gone then. Yeah. So I think oddly, I think my mom took me to see it at this theater. I have no mm-hmm. idea why, yeah. uh, but I think I was like nine something eight or nine and not that i would understand it (laughs) then Mm -hmm. but something about it really just hit me and all of like kind of hal ashby's films from there on out kind of 
really like he was just like one of my favorites like coming home oh yeah that. coming was, home man yeah 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 um and being there and yep. then you know then i found out like in college about like shampoo and last mm -hmm. detail and, oh yeah um so and i'm leaving out a couple really good ones but um so that's and then i i acted in like a couple of like local children's specials mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> like tv like after school specials but like oh, locally yeah. produced right I, I kind of hated it i i compared to theater i just it was so boring mm -hmm. and you're just sitting around so much and waiting and but i liked what like the director and dp were doing like i i liked that and it seemed really interesting to me something also about it like the you know where you're like 12 13 14 years old something about like the status of it really mm -hmm. got to me too i was like oh my god that's so cool to be a director and oh yeah and uh yeah and you know maybe it was also like you know my dad was this theater director and this was somehow like it's mm -hmm. not in his world really right so it was like and maybe even it was like a step above mm -hmm. you know yeah so, <laughs> so i'm like i do yeah important shit yeah um so uh so that's when i started to like watch a lot of films and um it's before i made the shorts in high school that's when i yeah, so it was weird because I had such a reaction to like hating acting mm -hmm. in movies, but then I start start doing it. Wait, what was the? Because <laughs> it is so boring. Oh yeah, like the waiting around yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, it's so it's tedious and and in theater, you know, which I haven't done in years, but that's all I ever did. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just on your feet, you're engaged, you're running running it through, yep. you're doing shows all the way through, and films is like you sit around and then you do it once or twice yeah like half of a scene a quarter of a scene yeah and that's over and then mm -hmm. you wait around and it's it was just it, it was uh it's amazing that i'm still doing it here and there uh yeah. considering that was my first reaction yeah um so yeah that's I mean, kind yeah. of how i got into it if it was uh if it was a status or a step above then that might also kind of like you know if you want to keep doing it that's like a good i guess that's a reason too right i don't know it's kind of different than yeah. what i was doing and yeah the, yeah the collaboration thing and i guess you were yeah. watching lots of films too so then when did you always know that like did you go to new york for nyu um yeah yeah um but i would i spent a lot of time going to new york with my dad growing mm -hmm. up uh because he would had a lot of friends there and we would he would want to see shows so like i think the first time i went i was like six or seven and then we would go like a couple times a year uh and go stay with uh friends of his and then go see shows so i kind of knew that i loved the city i knew i knew it in the city okay um and i had I had gotten an agent through this, an acting agent, mm -hmm. uh, like right around when I was 16, uh, kind of oh, through wow. this flu fluky way, which is usually how it works. Um, and, uh, and so I had an agent in New York. And so I was like, 
I mean, it, I had one in LA too, and I, I think I applied to UCLA and I, I didn't get in. Um, but I thought I'd go to New York, go to school, and I can audition at the same time. So that's kind of yeah how that happened. And when did you um, when when were you working at the like the video slash music store at Kim's Video? Yeah. Oh, you know I had forgotten that I worked there until just recently. Um, because I didn't work there that long, maybe like oh really three or four three or four months. Um, this was after college, I think. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm. like somewhere around like senior year, just out of college. Cause I lived in, um, Houston a, Oh in, yeah. In college and like from 89 to like 93, I lived there you know, in the East village. Did and, you, uh, um, when you were at NYU, so you, did you make a lot of films? I made a lot of terrible films. <laughs> terrible, just terrible. Like I never made a, I guess I did make like a senior film. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah. It was very uh, Coen Brothers inspired. Okay. Inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, made a couple Woody Allen inspired. <laughs> okay. And it was all just you know, and that's kind of that kind of helps with teaching also. Is that in a in a school film school? Is that I tell the students I'm like my student films were sh- so shitty, and just like. But I learned, you know, yeah. I, I, I learned and, and that's, you know, I'm like, you're not here to make your, you know, amazing short film that's going to propel you mm-hmm. to superstar you know, a, a list. Yeah. Um, Status. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't even think I have, I, I don't have the films anymore. Oh, <laughs> no. I like it. Oh my God, what a loss. <laughs> it's a tragedy, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I learned most of what I, because NYU is so huge and mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's an okay school. It's a good school. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. My experience right. was, you know, the thing that, uh, the best thing I got out of the film school really was uh, the internships that I was mm. able to get through the school through their, you know, internship program. Right. And that's when I interned at Saturday Night Live for like maybe a year, year and a half. Uh-huh. Um, and I worked on, I don't know if it's there anymore. It used to be called the film unit. Mm-hmm. And they, it's, it's the office that would make all of like the fake commercials. Oh yeah. And, um, but we were on the same floor as like the writer's offices and all that stuff. And it was very cool because I grew up watching that show and just kind of being like, oh my God, and kind of in awe of that. Yeah. I don't know if there is that kind of thing anymore where probably is or some version of it. So yeah. you, you grew up, you, lo- you grew up like loving SNL. I did. Yeah. Cause I think I was five when the first. When it mm-hmm. first aired, not that I knew what was happening then. But I do remember like the, because you know what, there are three channels, mm-hmm. you know, oh, so yeah. the excitement around like this show that's going to be live on TV at 11.30 p.m. Yep. was really fucking cutting edge, like, yeah. oh my God. Um, 
And then I, you know, I love David Letterman when mm-hmm. he started, like I watched him religiously. Yeah. Um, so it was all in that building at, in Rockefeller center. So it was very like, I was really like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, so you were in that film. So you, did you have a good experience at SNL? Like, did you feel like you learned a lot? Did you, uh, I mean, what years was that? It was, um, is this like eighties? It's like, uh, I think I started there in 90. Okay. Somewhere like 90 or 92, mm-hmm. two, 92, 92. And I remember, cause I, we would go by, you know, semesters. So I think I, first semester I was there, I forget, like Mike Myers was there, oh, John Lovitz. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then and Harvey probably. Yeah. Yeah. Then the second semester that I was there, they hired these two new writers and they gave them offices in our film unit office. And those, the two writers that they hired were uh, David Spade and Rob Schneider. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So they, had ju- they just got hired. So that's like around that, that era. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty, it was exciting. I would go get to go to shows and stuff. It was, yep. it was cool. That, I think um, Phil, Phil Hartman was there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, Jan Hooks. Man. Yeah um farley too probably he was yeah yeah yeah. uh i mean you you know i was an intern no one you don't fraternize with anyone really except the other interns just being in that Um, environment like that the context of that i mean that's got to be pretty cool right yeah it was cool and i remember remember i guess i can share this now is that because i lived on houston and a and it was not a good neighborhood Mm-hmm. uh at the time and i've since found out you know friends of mine who used to be into hard drugs yeah. they would be down there they, would, they told me oh yeah i'd always be on you know third and between mm-hmm. a and b right and uh one night <clears throat> when i was working at snl i saw farley down there mm. on like cor- corner and i was like <laughs> so like naive 20 yeah. year old i'm like hey man <laughs> i'm an intern at Saturday live for you and he's like hey hey yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally like he's scoring friend. oh yeah you might you might just want to like say anything to him <laughs> <laughs> hey this is how you learn man he was uh yeah, no, yeah. He, he didn't i don't think he uh i don't think he knew much of what was going on. I don't think he was overthinking it or anything. I think it was all right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he was interested in one thing at that, yeah, yeah. Time, that point. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Single focus. All right. So then after that, <laughs> after that, what did you, uh, what did you do after that? Did you start like getting like acting jobs? Were you, I mean, what were you doing? I was, um, I was, you know, auditioning for stuff all through college mm-hmm. and not getting anything really. Like I got like a, two lines in this movie that Bette Midler was the star. Oh. Was, I think it was preppy boy number one or two, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I just was learning a lot. I mean, it was just going on a lot of auditions mm-hmm. and, you know, for huge things too, like, yeah. you know, which was great experience and um, building up that muscle of being able to, go into a room and having that experience. I remember this casting director who I got to know more after I moved to LA, he remembered me auditioning for uh, Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you were just too green. You know, I was just too, like I didn't it? have any, 
No, I was too inexperienced. Oh, okay. Um, at that time, and so I was, you know, during those years, I just sort of became not green anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, a ripe. I became ripened. Oh, yeah. So, and then I got uh, this tiny supporting part in the movie *Scent of a Woman*. Yep. And that was that was really fun. I got to, uh, you know, I was like really wanting the lead role of course everyone was. oh the chris chris o'donnell and chris yeah. O'Donnell yeah 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 and i felt like i was going i don't know i just felt like i had a good shot mm-hmm. and then i didn't they asked me to play this one of the it was like one of the one of the waspy kids asshole yeah <laughs> yeah boarding school kids but then they uh Marty Brest, who's the director mm-hmm. asked me if i would come read through the script in the Chris O'Donnell role mm-hmm. with Al Pacino. Oh, wow. And so, and because I guess Al didn't want to read with Chris cause he didn't, he wanted to keep their relationship maybe a little, have a little more surprise and spark to oh, it. I don't okay. know. All right. But to me, I was like, yeah, I'm going to show him how I can yeah. play this part and I'm going to win it. Yeah. I didn't, but it was, it was just an, an amazing thing. I mean, it was like, it was just me, Marty, and Al, Al mm-hmm. and this other, producer i think ron schwery this producer was there too and we just read through the whole script and it was <laughs> sometimes i forget about that then like now i'll remember i'll be like oh my god yeah just me and al reading through How this was al? so nice great yeah. and that's where is that where that's where you met phil hoffman yeah 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 that's how phil and i became friends then on that film and then after i graduated like a year after i graduated from college i got cast on this sitcom this abc sitcom that james l brooks was producing Mm -hmm. and yeah i'd never done like a sitcom or three camera four camera thing before and i didn't even you know i didn't know really what i was i was so lucky Mm. uh because i i didn't have to test for it or anything because i just was in new york and i auditioned i auditioned like around 10 a.m for gym and mm-hmm. a bunch of other people. They had me come back like at five that same day and read with the lead girl in the show, which was Angela Gothels. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I read with her for like, oh, there must've been like 20 people in the room. It was crazy. Yeah. And it went really well. And from that, they like offered me the role. So usually you have to go through these, this rigorous like right. vetting process. We have to go in front of the network and stuff, but because, you know, Jim's Jim, he was able to just say like i want this person Mm -hmm. um and so then i uh i had to move to la uh for the series because it was going to go and we did a pilot but you know it was his show so yeah it was obvious that it was going to go it was with judith light played my mom Mm -hmm. and um william devane was on it Mm -hmm. and and this was a time like right on the edge it was like doing tv was still not cool right you know it was it was uh it was cheesy a little bit cheesy especially to my cool new york friends and world you know it was cheesy because <laughs> so of the, the the sitcom itself or just the idea of doing tv was just the idea of doing yeah. tv yeah yeah it was just like not in the place it is now yeah and so i was excited and happy but also part of me was a little bit embarrassed mm. and like ashamed which is insane yeah uh because 
you know, that's all anyone wants now mm-hmm. is, to, you know, mainly because it used to pay insanely well. Yeah. Um, it still, it still does occasion, but not nearly as much. And with like three networks, um, right? <laughs> Different time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. I mean, I did not, cause it was my first job. I didn't get paid that well. I mean, mm-hmm. I got paid really well for, yeah. for like, you know, it'd be amazing. But like, I think I got paid $8,500 an episode. Mm-hmm. You know, you got like good, like exposure insane. experience. Yeah. 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 But you know, Jude Flight was probably getting $250,000 an episode, mm. you know, something probably. Yeah. So I didn't know that probably at the time. I was just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to move out to LA to do that. And um, I probably wouldn't have. I'm glad I was able to move out here with a job because moving out here just to move out here and it'd be really hard. I don't think I ever would have done it. I was too like, I like New York too much. I was too scared probably mm. to move out here with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved out here uh, and Phil moved out here. Hoffman moved out here at the same time. He moved out like maybe a month before me. Oh, wow. And But he had been staying with friends. And so we decided to uh rent a place together, rent a house together. Mm-hmm. So like we moved in, we rented a house, like I think it was 93. And so we lived up in Naples Canyon for like a couple of years. Wow. Um, yeah. And then you were kind of like doing, it seemed like you were doing a lot of big films, but then you also made that, the 15 minute Hamlet, right? Which is like yeah. outrageously yeah. funny. And in terms of the tone, oh, thanks, man. like it's interesting that you say that you grew up you know, like, like watching SNL because the tone of it seems kind of like similar to that. Like first couple of seasons where it's like, you know, Bill Murray and they're like kind of screaming at each other a little bit. It's just like the tonal, the tonal shifts. What, what, yeah, I never thought of that. What led you to that, uh, to that project to adapt that? Um, I had done, I was in the production of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Cincinnati at the, one of the equity theaters there. Mm-hmm. And um, before each show, a few of the actors, not me, but a few of the other actors in the show would do the 15 minute Hamlet for mm-hmm. the audience that was already there waiting in the lobby. Oh, wow. And I, I never heard of it, you know? So I just watched it and I just loved it. I thought I would watch it every night that they would do it. Mm-hmm. And then some, I think I just, occurred to me because I was, you know, really interested in films. And I was like, that'd be a really funny film. I wonder yeah. if I could like adapt. And I was like 17 or 18 wow. at the time. So I just always had that in the back of my mind. And I think I started to adapt it. And <laughs> then I, one of the other internships that I got, I think I got, I don't know if I got it through NYU. It was through a friend at NYU who mm-hmm. had, who had done it. I started working as like an assistant to the assistant of uh, the director and writer Robert Benton, mm-hmm. right? Who was amazing, and I always loved his film, like films. Yeah, like he directed Kramer versus Kramer and yeah, Places yeah. in the Heart, mm-hmm. and he co-wrote Bonnie and Clyde, which I didn't oh, yeah. know that. I learned after I started working for him. I found that I was like, what? Yeah. Um, so just working in his office is another opportunity like with saturday night live it's just you just meet people you know coming through the office Mm -hmm. and you know 
there's nothing like that. Just and the people who come through his office are, you know, crazy. Just like the, you know, showbiz royalty. Yeah. Both both talent and like agents, managers, Mm -hmm. people like that. Studio heads, and you're like answering the phone. Right. And like Jeffrey Katzenberg is calling him. Yeah. um, And so I was working for him right when he was about to direct this film called Billy Bathgate. It's Mm -hmm. an adaptation of a doctoral novel. And the person who was doing the adaptation was Tom Stoppard. Oh, wow. Who wrote the 15-minute Hamlet. Right. And Rosencrantz. Rosencrantz, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Now's my chance. Yeah. To, uh, and it was my chance. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he was like the nicest guy. And um, I didn't say anything to him, but, Mm -hmm. um, but when I did leave Benton's office, I did hijack Tom Stoppard's office phone number. Okay. So that's all right. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> gotta uh, do what you gotta do. Yeah. So I took his number. Mm-hmm. And one day when I was at my apartment, I was like, I'm gonna call. Yeah. And talk, ask him about this like idea that I have for the, his play. Okay. And so I called the number and he answered the phone. Wow. It was his home number. <laughs> yeah. It was I thought like it was gonna be a secretary and assistant. Yeah. And he picked up the phone and I hung up. Oh no. I was just like, oh shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hello, hello. Yeah. Um so I waited like 15 minutes yeah. and called back mm-hmm. and introduced myself. I mean, you might not remember, I don't know if you remember me, but and he was like, oh, yes, I remember. I know, Tom. Mm. And um, told him about this idea that I had. And he was just, he was like the most amazing person, the kindest person. He was like, well, why don't you send off what you've written to my agent? Mm-hmm. Kenneth Ewing, I'll never forget his, their names. Yeah, and uh, it was just amazing. I sent him, sent his agent the uh, script. He read it, and uh, he sent me back, you know, a letter because there was no email. Oh yeah, and he signed off on it. I have all. I still have these handwritten letters from him. Wow, Stopper. Yeah, it's pretty. They're pretty cool. Stopper uh, um, came through. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. He's so, still around. Um, he is. I didn't get to see his play, his last play, Leopold mm-hmm. Stop. Really want to see it. But yeah, that's like sort of, you know, I talk about that too with students is that, you know, you don't want to be like crazy. Mm. But, but like I tell him that story of like <laughs> taking his phone number or just calling because, you know, it's just a person. Yeah. He's just a person. And, so. you know, I didn't realize that at the time. I was yeah. just, you think so? Um, you don't realize it at the time. But most people, if you call them or they'll, oh, hi. You know, <laughs> it's the, you know, other agents and people who kind of stand in the way a lot of times, understandably. Mm-hmm. I, I, they definitely serve a purpose. But, like, in my experience, like, a lot of the time, Things happen be, be, 
through personal connections and not through agents or mm -hmm. managers. It's really like, oh, do you know, like if I'm casting something or do you know so-and-so, oh, do you think I could call them and ask them if they read this script? And because a lot of times if you go through an agent and you don't know the agent that well, or, right. you know, the project will sometimes never even get to the person. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not just actors too. It goes for like DPs, uh, directors, you know, I've had experiences where I've tried to send projects to like this friend of mine or like an acquaintance of mine who's a <coughs> DP slash director. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we waited a couple months and we talked to the agent. No, they've got it. They've got the script. Wait a couple more months, nothing. But finally, I just wrote this person on Instagram because we follow each other. Mm. And I was like, hey, you know, we don't know each other that well, but we know each other. We've had coffee a couple of times. Yeah. And I said, and they just wanted to go through the proper channels at first. Right. But it finally got to the point where I was like, hey, did you ever, you know, there's a project my wife and I were working on. Did you ever get this? script that we sent you your agent said mm -hmm. they sent it to you and they were like you know i never they never sent yeah. it to me mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it's because they're trying to you know protect or something. i don't know i don't even know what yeah protect are. or like they want to focus mm -hmm. their client on bigger oh, projects yeah. that are going to make more money or mm -hmm. packages and you know person was like pretty angry oh yeah <laughs> so that. it's yeah yeah um so a lot i think it's there's a lot of it's a very social uh business i'm sure yeah. most businesses are i think maybe yeah I, I think if there's anything that makes sense about art it's that it should be a business that generates as much revenue as possible for everyone <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. No. So the <laughs> that connection thing that you're talking about, and um, I feel like that brings authenticity too. Because I mean, you've you've directed, you know, Phil Hoffman, who you lived with, you knew, and you also he was in the fifteen, he was in the Hamlet too, right? The fifteen minute half. Yeah. And then love, yeah. um, and love Liza. So then, how does yeah. that, um, like, did you feel that there was a change or in the in the tone that you wanted to create because you knew him and it was like more of a shorthand you don't have to like re-explain the story and try to get him you just feel like do you feel like you kind of were on the same page from the beginning just because you knew each other with either of those projects or yeah. with you mean with, with just working with him in general um yeah we were sort of always on the same page mm -hmm. and it you know i just knew I don't know. I mean, it was my first feature, so, you know, it was crazy. It's yeah. really, you know, uh, it was an insane production just because of where we shot and the money and, you know, a lot of casting. I always feel like it's just, and, you know, I think it's probably a cliche now, but it's like, you know, if I cast the right person, mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to kind of take care of itself. And even if, you know, and that's why I, I flew a lot of actors. We shot in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. 
it's a deep crew. Yeah. Deep crew town. Oh yeah. Um, so I flew a lot of actors down on my own dime. Wow. To be to be in the film because I didn't, you know, how many films have you seen where you know you're like, oh, that's a local hire because mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah. it's just in small roles, two line roles. You know? Right. You know you can just tell. So I would fly people down for you know two lines because mm-hmm. I wanted it to be good. Yeah. And even if they weren't perfect for the role, I knew they would bring something special and specific and good to to that role. So, um, and that's kind of how I felt with Phil. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have given him more direction on Fifteen Minute Hamlet. Yeah, like he was what? kind of quirky. He was kind of tone it down, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's hilarious, right? Yeah, he's insanely. Yeah, funny. he's a. Yeah, it was a bit over the top a couple of points. I mean, I like some of the stuff he does at the end, but there's one thing he does still, like if I see him, like, why are you doing that? I'd kill you. <laughs> but in, in Love, um, Liza, it's like, I feel like it's perfect. It's because it's so subtle and he's so, um, like his character is so broken in that and like dealing with his yeah. grief and then um, he has this note, he's not reading the note. Like there's a lot going on. How was it? What was the was like the direction you gave him on on that like in terms of the conceit of what that project was about and then what his role was about in it well his you know gordy his brother wrote mm-hmm. the script um and so i think they he and his brother were fairly connected on that and on the role my wife and my brother-in-law who i used to be writing partners with mm-hmm. they did some extra work on the script too that I don't know if Gordy knows about. <laughs> yeah, he does now. Um, he does now. Um, because there were, you know, I think it was Gordy's first screenplay and, mm-hmm. you know, there were there were a lot of issues within the screenplay that needed, needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from the beginning, you know, because Gordy gave the script to Phil to read and Phil was like, oh, I love this, mm-hmm. you know, why don't, and Phil had never been a lead in anything before. Oh, wow. And then Phil knew like that. We, I think I'd just done 15 minute Hamlet with him. He knew, mm-hmm. he knew that I wanted to direct a feature and he was, he, so he gave me the script. He's like, why don't you do this? And I'll be, you know, I'll play the Wilson role. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I read it and I was like, oh, I love this, but you know, it need, it did need a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. People, some people, you know, love it. I don't know if I love it anymore. It's it's a little, it's a difficult film because the the protagonist is so passive, kind of. You know, it's it's like a you know, it's good because of film. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's not much in the script to propel it forward. It's like a it's like a musing on mm. this. It's like a, a a museful film or so i don't know yeah. so you know i'm proud of it but i i don't i don't look back and i'm like that was that's so good oh man but, I, know, like, people, I look at it like that yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good cool um work in I work uh, with kathy bates too right on that yeah she's sort of the one i mean we you know tried to raise money forever but you know no one knew knew really phil 
who he was. And so we couldn't raise the money. And somehow, I forget how Kathy got the script, but she said she wanted to do it. And that's how we were able to get the money really is with Kathy attached to it. And she was, I was so frightened of her. Yeah, very intimidating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was like 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, first feature. I was really. Yeah. But she, you know, she's she's cool. She's she was great. She wouldn't come to Mobile, so we had to move the whole production. No, really. Like a week, a week to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Wow. Why wouldn't she come? She was fine with the South. Just Who wants to go to? Who wants to go to Mobile, Alabama? That's why I understand, but it was it was really it was tough. Yeah, no. <laughs> but then, um, you like throughout the nineties. I mean, you were consistently working in like these. You would show up in like really big movies, right? I mean, you were in Apollo thirteen. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, Jerry Maguire but... was nice scene, right? Like the Chad. Yeah. yeah. So then, how yeah, was yeah, uh, yeah. Do you, are you like do you feel like you learn from these um directors these experiences even if it's like not the lead role but just by osmosis of being on set and then getting their direction yeah. and like how do has that how do you like to be as a director like how do you like to be directed um hands off okay really mm-hmm. um like that that's kind of like where I get like the because in hiring an actor is like hiring a DP, hiring yeah. a, a uh, production designer, they're, you know, they're equal to, if not more important, a collaborator than the DP is with the right. director. Um, and they're, I, I like to see them as, you know, artists and they're going to bring something just like we talked about before. They're going to bring something to the project that I have no idea. Yeah. I never thought of. Um, and you have to really stay open to that and also walk a line because, you know, you want to stay open to ideas, but sometimes you have to say, no, that's not the right way. Not in those words, mm-hmm. but, um, but to give an actor that kind of respect and, and path to, to bring you hire them for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, because you like, you feel like they're going to they're connecting with that character. And so that, I mean, I'm thinking about your question. Thinking, no, that, that makes sense. Like, how I, can I, I, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about like, I should pay more attention to that next time I have a job. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> pay more attention um, to like how, uh, you like to be directed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah, yeah. How yeah, was, uh, yeah. Like, how was the Steven, uh, the Freer's, experience because it seemed like that yeah. was there's a lot of chemistry on that set especially yeah, the triangle I mean, that you were in yeah he's sort of like person that i i remember the most mm-hmm. directing wise partially because it was you know a big role mm-hmm. um and when you come in and do like a day or two it's that sort of thing of like when i was like on a young people's special <laughs> back oh, in yeah. cincinnati yeah. you know you're just there for a day and a half mm-hmm you're not going to connect with anyone. You know, you don't have time. Yeah. You can't build a relationship. You you come in, you do your scenes, you leave. Right. But with 
when you have a bigger role, you really are able to connect with everyone. You're able to spend more time with the director. And that was, that was huge with Steven. He's, mm -hmm. you know, he's amazing. And yeah. he, you know, it's the same way in terms of like, he, uh, you know, when I read for it, I went in first for like the casting director. Then I, and I knew I was like this part of mine. Mm -hmm. I was just like, even though it wasn't, they I yeah. think they offered it to uh, David Arquette first. Oh wow! Maybe even some someone else, huh. uh, another like name, but they couldn't do it, and so I got a break, which is what everyone gets mm -hmm. at some point if they do get a break. Um, but I then they had me back, and I read with John and DV and Steve Pink, mm -hmm. who were the writer, their part as partners and writers. And that went great. And then they asked me to come back and meet Steven. And he doesn't read with anyone. I don't know. He didn't read with me. I know he didn't read mm -hmm. with Jack. Uh, I don't think he read with Jack. Mm -hmm. Jack didn't want to read. Or he, Jack did want to read, but Steven's like, don't read. Yeah. He just, you know, you kind of go in and he asks you a couple questions. <laughs> he like stands up and like, walks around you as you're sitting there oh, just wow. looking at you and he's like oh you'll do okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah um and it's just that kind of trust you know that you know everything's so tense usually on a on a film um where you have to make the right, like as a director or producer, you have to make the right decision. You have to like cast the exact right person. Mm -hmm. We have to audition, audition, audition this person. And with him, he just has this, and probably because he just makes films constantly, mm -hmm. which I would like to do. Yeah, It's hard, but he said, he's like, you know, that's a perfect, you know, way to convey him is like, oh, you'll do. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah let's move forward. Um, and just that trust and in his instinct about a person and the character that he's looking for. Um, that's really important. And so <laughs> that goes into <coughs> directing mm -hmm. too, with just handing over. And, you know, he would say, I forget, uh, just small little things. He yeah. would, wouldn't say anything really ever. If he did say something, it would be very small, but usually <laughs> one of his best directions is, you know, we do a take and then you would just hear him say from somewhere in the back, okay, cut next time better, do it better. <laughs> that was his like Specific. direction. Yeah. yeah. And it, the thing is it lightens the mood too. Yeah. Because you're so like nervous. You want to, do a good job, and then by somebody just saying, oh, "Next time, is it better this time?" Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it really is a, sort of a release valve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it seems like it's kind of similar to what you're saying in terms of like the collaboration, like whether it's an actor or DP, like bringing in something from the outside, you know, into the project rather than like spoon feeding every single thing they should do. I mean, that feels like more of yeah. a tourish kind of like potentially toxic things. So yeah. Then, did you feel imposing your will on <laughs> yeah. everything? Yeah, that's yeah. never never good. Did you feel like 
instant chemistry with um like with Kuzak and with uh with Jack or was that I mean or did that did that kind of come more from the script and the direction? Um, I think it came. From, I mean, the script for sure. Yeah, uh, the script was amazing, just great. Um, but yeah, Jack and I were really good, mm-hmm. like connected on yeah. that on that project. Like we were like always hanging out together. You know, not on set, also on set, but just going out. Something's happening on my chair. Yeah. Um, so we were that was great it yeah. was really really fun and going out and seeing bands and uh because also we had just this kind of access to music mm-hmm. uh in chicago at the time because of of the movie and there were connections with lots of there's a label there in chicago called drag city mm-hmm. and they the, Dan uh, Koretsky, who founded and runs it, he was like, he's good friends with DV and Steve and John. Mm-hmm. And he sort of was the overseer of a lot of the music, or a lot of the musicians that perform in the, in the movie. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of butchering everything he did. But through him, we were able, we just went to all these shows all the time, rock shows. And oh, yeah. It was great. So then, yeah, I mean, really al- cool. along the way, like, kept acting, like, a huge variety of projects. And then, I mean, you directed something, you directed, a, like, several things recently. I mean, the Hello, I Must Be Going was a little bit, I think that was in the, like, 2010s, right? But then... Yeah, um, it was 2012. Yeah, yeah, 2012. So then how was that? I mean, you worked with Melanie Linsky on that. Uh, yeah. And she's, yeah. like in bed and it's hard for her to like get out and then she has this relationship <laughs> i mean that was like really kind of i feel like that was palpably difficult just to see that like her level of um like depression and relationship with the parents how was that yeah, how was that project i mean how did you uh kind of go about that did the other experiences on love liza and 15 minute hamlet and the acting experiences did they inform kind of how you how you um directed that you think oh yeah I mean, it's all a big snowball. Yeah. Everything you pick every day, you know, not just like projects, just life, uh, life experiences. Um, and it go into when you start and do a project. Um, but, uh, my wife actually wrote, hell, I must be going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had, uh, been, you know, wanting to do something together. Uh, it's a it's a long story of how right. it happened, but um, it ended up being a a, a script at the uh, at Sundance Lab in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that was funny because um, I I had known Michelle Satter at Sundance for a while because my fifteen minute Hamlet was at Sundance, and then Love Liza was mm-hmm. in two thousand two, and she like called me to come in and have a meeting with her and a couple of other people who worked there, Elise McKimmy and Anne Lai. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the lab and she was asking what I was working on. And she said, you can't come to the lab because you've already done a feature, but we want to know if you have any scripts that you like that you're, you know, would like to direct. And I was like, um, 
actually, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm making mm-hmm. a longer story short, but I said, I do. I, yeah, I have this one script and I said, I think you guys would really like it. And it's by, it's written by my writing partner's sister, mm. which is true. Okay. Right. <laughs> because I didn't want to, as written by my wife, but because yeah. I didn't want to, you know, muddy the waters in either mm-hmm. way. Cause if I say it's by my wife, they could read it and dismiss it mm-hmm. because it's right. by my wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they could read it and be like, Oh yeah, we love it. And yeah, submit it to the lab. And mm-hmm. because it's my wife. So oh, neither, yeah. I didn't want either of those things to be in play. Right. Um, and then I sent them and it got into the lab. And when that happened, I said, my writing partner's sister actually we have two kids together mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah they were like oh huh okay <laughs> he's into it so what's that yeah he's into yeah. it right yeah exactly um so that was 2009 mm-hmm. and um she went, I went there with her for like a few days and then I left and because I just, because I was attached as director, mm-hmm. but she went to the writer's lab and, uh, and then, you know, she just wrote and rewrote and, and we did a reading of it at the actors gang in like November of 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, had asked Melanie to do the, we had asked Melanie to do mm-hmm. the, the reading and, you know, I just, you know, she wasn't well known at the mm-hmm. time. She was sometimes doing that one character on two and a half men, I think. Oh Rose. yeah. 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 But she wasn't, you know, she, but I had always remembered her from heavenly creatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we were trying because we were trying to think of somebody to do the reading, and uh, we we're like, "What about Melanie Linsky?" And you know, so we asked her to do the reading, and and she came and did the reading, and you know, she was just amazing. And yeah. later, I remember her telling Sarah, uh, my wife, she was like, "Oh yeah, I remember after doing the reading, I was like, oh, I love this script so much. I wonder who's going to play the role of Amy that I'm reading." Because <laughs> she was like, "There's no way." You know, I can't fund a film. I, you know, she was, mm. wasn't that. You know, she's like, I wonder if it's going to be like Michelle Williams or mm-hmm. yeah. And um, but we we couldn't really find anyone. Once she read it, she was so such an amazing fit mm-hmm. that we were like, we have to find a way to get this made with her. Yeah, and um, that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Man, that's, um, yeah, phenomenal! What a great performance! Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She's an amazing actor, and I'm so happy for her. She's getting oh yeah all the attention she is yeah, she's now. Killing it's, it, it's yeah, so well well deserved. Yeah, man. Um, well, I mean, this was a lot of fun. Like, I think all your intention is well yeah. deserved too, and uh, like you know, love the authentic authenticity that you bring. You know as an actor but then also as a director and again i think that stems from how much you appreciate the collaborative aspects of film 
And, um, you know, I mean, that's, it's really yeah. terrific. So in terms of like going ahead, is there something that you want to, you know, are you working on stuff in terms of like writing, directing, is there a topic or an area that you want to explore that you, that you haven't yet? I mean, what is kind of, what are you thinking about from that perspective? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. All right. That's very specific. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. It's hard to get films made. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. And it's getting harder. And um, yeah, I don't, that's why I'm doing a lot of work on just trying to connect with what is it that I mm -hmm. want to do. Because I, if I do make another film, it's going to have to be generated by, by me. Um, because you know, it has, if, you know, I know Jay Duplass talks about this a lot. Like after you become like, you know, you have a film, you make a film and it's successful or somewhat successful. You mm -hmm. feel like the cavalry is going to come yeah. and you're, you know, you can just like sit back and, oh, you're just going to get scripts and it's just, it's never coming. And you think, and I've made that, you know, mistake a couple of times with my films, it's like I make something that I think, oh, I can just like sit back and script. They're going to send, people are going to send me scripts and mm -hmm. this is it. And it never happens. You always have to like, if you want to make something that you care about, you're going to have to be the, the engine. And I, it's exhausting. And, um, mm -hmm. and also because I haven't made anything in, the, in a while, that, you know, you just don't have any like buzz or heat around you. And so it, it's, you know, you just have to make it happen yourself. And then people will be like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, you kind of, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But I think if I, I, I would like to maybe just keep trying making small things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then so I can work my way up to finding like, you know, another feature to make, you know, I've tried to direct TV, TV forever. And I mm -hmm. can never get a break directing episodics, hmm. uh, because it's such a different, it's like a world that it's a kind of this closed in world. And it's, unless, you know, a showrunner mm -hmm. really well, or have buzz about you it's very hard to get that first gig it's, it's crazy yeah you know like have they ever directed tv before and like you know it's like the other way like have they ever directed a feature before mm -hmm. but you know it's you know it's like because they worry about like tv being shot so fast but like every film that i've ever shot is so fast faster yeah. than a tv show yeah <laughs> like we made Hello, must be going in 18 days. Wow. So it's just like, yeah, I can make a half hour show in eight days, 10 days, eight days. I yeah. Problem. Um, so, but I think, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No. I want to do stuff, but I'm sort of uh, trying to figure out how to. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah, especially with the strike and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a strike going on, right? Still. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the business is going to and it has it's going to have to shrink a lot, mm-hmm. and so that's I think concerns everyone. I think there are going to be a lot of jobs acting wise after mm-hmm. the strike's over. But writing, directing, and I don't really, my wife's really the writer. I'm just, I had a writing partner before, but mm-hmm. collaborated a lot. I, I could never write by myself. I've tried many times and it doesn't, doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think there are going to be a lot of acting jobs, directing stuff. What, what about like writing for like bigger, like you wrote Macbeth, for instance, right? It's like, what about, is that something that you're interested in too? Like working on like bigger, I guess, studio projects that you're not necessarily directing, but like providing the screenplay or writing them? Well, yeah, I don't have, I don't, my partner and I, we don't mm-hmm. work together anymore. Yeah. And um, I don't think I could ever get hired for something like that. And the, the Macbeth project, you know, was incubating for like, 14 years before wow, it got made. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I first had the idea like in, after I made 15 minute Hamlet actually. And then this is 19, like late nineties. Mm-hmm. And then it did the adaptation with my writing partner right after love Liza. And the idea was to have Phil play Macbeth. Wow. And he, he wanted to, and he was going to, and we couldn't raise the money for it forever. And then he won the Oscar for Capote. And all of a sudden, oh, we can get the money. But then Phil was like, uh, I don't I don't think I can do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, fuck you, man. I've been waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been trying to get this thing funded for four years. Yeah. And now you're like, we can do it later, man. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm like waiting my life is on hold waiting for your schedule so I, we just put it away in a drawer mm-hmm. and because we had scouted for like we had gone to scotland and scouted all this stuff and met a lot of people and then uh i got a call like in 2013 or something like that i know we were wrapping up sorry to no no no. this is good man i'm hammering I'm, I'm, this is fun for me so <laughs> Uh, so we were, I mean, I don't even know what I was working on. Yeah. Uh, I got a phone call out of the blue from this guy from England and he was like, I don't know. My name is Ian. I don't know if you remember me, but I was a PA or an assistant in at Renaissance films, uh, which is a place where when we went scouting in Scotland, we met with these financiers at Renaissance in London mm-hmm. to finance the film. And he, I guess this guy, Ian had worked there and he was like, Oh, I'm a producer now. <laughs> and he's like, and I just, I'll never, you know, he was sent to make copies of Macbeth, like of a printing press, of oh, a wow. Xerox machine. Yeah. And he's like, he read it and he was like, I just said, I'll never forget. The script is just an amazing script and I wanted to know what was happening with it. And I was like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'd love to talk to you about optioning it. And I just produced my first film and it's going to be a Telluride and it's called the King's speech. Mm. 
and I was like, oh, wow. Because <laughs> yeah. I had heard, you know, then it went on to win, like, yeah, like best everything. picture. And, yeah. and he was ex- up there accepting the Oscar, Ian Canning. Yeah. Like, and they optioned it. And I wasn't going to, I didn't get to direct it, which, you know, severely bummed me out uh, because that was the whole idea. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's how that, that happened. Wow. Crazy. Phil did not, yeah. Actually, the first day of shooting is when Phil passed away. I think oh, that's a... that was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was really wild. Yeah. Um, so, but that's how it yeah, came about. And again, it's like just the putting yourself out there and um, you just never know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah, I mean, sorry for your, you know, loss about the Phil thing. That's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But man, this was uh this was a lot of fun for me. Uh again, yeah. like uh, the work has like been really impactful, you know, in my life. And I think it's it's really um incredible to see all the things and also the acting work. I mean, high fidelity, incredible, and all the other <laughs> films. So um thanks thanks so much for coming on my show man i really appreciate it thanks for asking john this was great so happy i did yeah and then i hope the play goes well and you don't give too many notes (laughs) yeah Uh, i'll be up there (laughs) terrible man yeah for rule number one of parenting never do that never give notes (laughs) to your kid when he's acting or something (laughs) exactly yeah yeah (laughs) 